Welcome to Joiners, the podcast with Tim and Danny, where we explore the world of hospitality <laughs> by chatting with its most colorful characters. Yeah. I got Tim to crack on the intro, baby. I've been trying for years. Interesting pronunciation. We had a guest this week who spun the microphone sideways. That was a new one. Yeah. That's like in uh, Romeo and Juliet when Leo's shooting the gun sideways. <laughs> yeah, sidearm. Yeah. It was, yeah, maybe that's a pro move. It maybe worked, I'm going to start flipping my microphone on the side. Could be the move. Could be the move. Tim's favorite Instagram account to follow. It's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> big weekend, Danny. Coming off of a big weekend. Yeah, you're dripping with honey. That's right. Honey harvest was uh, scheduled for October 21st this year, whereby we go out to my dad's farm. We pull the frames. Actually, my dad had done it before we got there, which was kind of a bummer. I like to I like to put on the bee suit, go out there. Did he think he was saving you the time, or he didn't trust you guys to pull the frames? <laughs> he likes to expedite the process. So yeah. by the time we got there, we also got a late start, so we got out there around 11. We wanted to get there earlier. But things were pulled, and then we have it separated into spring honey and fall honey. Fall honey is very dark. Hmm. Spring honey. Oh, light. there's two types of honey that get yielded? Yeah, it's because it's the different things that are being pollinated. Whoa, I didn't know that. Yeah, my dad could talk in depth on it. I don't know exactly what the differences are, but they, t- they say, look I don't and know that you'd want to listen. taste differently. <laughs> but anyway, so you pull, You basically what you have to do is pull off, the combs are capped, so you have to yeah. cut off like the thin layer of uh, wax across the top to expose the honey, and then that goes in like a centrifuge. We have two of them. We have an electric one. You push a button and it spins, and it's just hmm. kind of this centripetal force, I guess, pulls it out to the outside and it drips down the edges. And then you open the uh, hatch and it pours out. And then, um, does it need to be homogenized or already comes out kind of all the same? Well, you have to go through some purification, okay? Because it. it is there, you know, you've there's got, still pieces of wax, you know, yeah, exactly. Wax you have a lot there. of wax, so we're cutting a lot of the wax off, a lot of it stays in the frames. And then when you pull it out, you let it sit. We have like these gigantic tubs that it sits in overnight and then like the next morning we went out and took off like the film all the crap rises to the top so you've got like all the wax and impurities are there like bugs that get in there while you're doing this sometimes bees get in but we did it indoors this year in the barn so no one we didn't really have an issue with insects that's cool yeah we got about a hundred pounds of honey (sighs) and as promised i'll be hand delivering a portion of that to mike shalal of is was brewing to make some delish beer that's right and I'm curious to see how that... I'm curious if he'll let me help out with that process. He'll be like, like your to. dad. He's going to do the whole process right before you get there. <laughs> I would hate and that. And you're going to be like, hey, can I uh, do it? He's like, it's already been done. It's sold. It's all <laughs> yeah, gone. It's already been... Yeah, you don't even get to taste it. <laughs> and then, yeah, we, it was a pretty busy weekend because right after that... We had to rush home and get ready home. for a cookbook club. First Cook meeting the, in a long time. Yeah, Lula Cookbook. Lula Cookbook. It was a great addition. One that was kind of like a unanimous yes Oftentimes, cookbook ideas are put forth. We actually canceled another cookbook That's to right. do this one instead. Yep. And I'm not a, I'm not shy about which one we canceled. Was, <laughs> <laughs> well, you can, yeah, I don't know. Because it's, it's not we're not throwing any yeah, shade. That's uh, true. It just we didn't were, seem appealing as a cookbook club. Right. Selection. We were going to do Turkey and the Wolf. And when you realized that it would be just a ton of sandwiches and it didn't yeah. seem like the best, didn't seem conducive to a good So, like the nighttime cookbook club, which is what we usually do. Correct. If we ever do a daytime one, we will revisit that. Yeah. So, we did the Lula Cookbook Club, Lula Cookbook at club yeah i guess last night cookbook club lula edition that's right and we had tim and shannon of course liz and brian that's uh tim's sister and her partner my wife and i so and then we had uh, jonathan zaragoza and jennifer contraveos 
That's right. And we had two special guests. And we did, yeah. Our nanny canceled uh, at the last minute, so we brought our kids as well. They uh, mostly stayed out of the way, just watching yeah. Hotel Transylvania, too. Yeah. Out of sight, out of mind, except for when Arthur was aggressively screaming boo in my ear. <laughs> <laughs> it is spooky season in his defense, but I was not I scared. think both kids were doing that. Ruby no, I was, I, was, I was spooking out Ruby. Oh, and yeah. she would. She wasn't scared, but she, she, would, was booing, she would. She was doing to Liz later. She would scream like she was scared, which I appreciated. Yeah, she loves it. It was fun. But yeah, it was a great addition. We got to have a FaceTime with Jason Hamill as we were doing the Danny. Club. Yeah, made the bold move of FaceTiming Jason, who very graciously picked up he and did. indulged to the request. <laughs> yeah, we had a celebrity first. I thought it. I thought it would be interesting to have had him there and very honestly critiquing each dish. Yeah. Because it also spans, like, the dish I did was from 2016. Yeah, what I did was from 99. Yeah, all the recipes have the dates. So we had some classics there. Danny did the spaghetti. The pasta yaya made an appearance, carrot cake. I did a crispy red rice and chicken, which I do say so myself, was plated to perfection. (laughs) It's a tasty dish. It's complex. There's a lot of things going on there. Oh my but gosh. I think the, I think the best the one was the pozole, yeah. which a professional chef Jonathan Zaragoza pre- prepared. I think so. It was very delicious. The carrot cake was pretty stunning as yeah. well, and yeah. its presentation. This was the prettiest cookbook club we've had. Yeah. Presentation wise, everything looked really really nice for sure, and also delicious. So we're keeping the marathon rolling today right. together, and I had an interview this morning that we hope you will enjoy. Absolutely. We were able to talk with Joe Frillman of Daisy's fame and learn about kind of the journey of Daisy's actually. Yeah, the evolution I'd call it. Mm-hmm. You know, he went into the biz or he went into the pandemic one way, dinner five nights a week, and came out totally different. Yeah. And better and stronger. And it's a testament to his problem solving skills and, and his ability to pivot and look for new revenue streams and opportunities there. Yeah. Pretty Daisy's two point is the silver lining of the pandemic. Yeah. And it seems that, you know, linking back up with uh, Lee Omolinsky really kind of spurred the creation of the bakery and cafe within Daisy's now. Mm-hmm. Lee is now a partner, which is very cool. And uh, yeah, it's just been, I don't know, it's been cool to watch everything <laughs> naturally evolve. On the sidelines with some binoculars, just, yeah, just checking through, checking it out. <laughs> just spying on the operations, you know. Yeah, you got to uh, do it. Stealing whatever I can. Another Logan Square <laughs> <laughs> business to keep an eye on. Um, actually, it's pretty close to... Slope, yeah, right? it's right next to Slippery Slope, which is great. Got some pastries the other day while I had to be at Slope. So I'm loving it. He's loving it. I'm loving it, baby. So yeah, Spoilers. Without... Enough spoilers. Let's get on with yeah. it. So without further ado, please enjoy our conversation. With Joe Frillman. This episode of Joiners is brought to you by Host Ready to Drink Premium Bottled Cocktails. Choose from Old Fashioned, Martini, and coming soon, a Manhattan. For more information, go to Host, that's H-O-S-T-E, cocktails.com, connect with quality. Welcome to the studio, Joe. Thank you, guys. Hey, Joe. How you doing? What's (laughs) What's up, man? Just Monday morning after yes. a crazy weekend. And you got pranked by the city, it seems like. Yeah, that's, that happens. Yeah. I feel more now than before. This is the fourth time. That's crazy. In oh. a month that basically we've gotten the, hey, you're closed today because the water's off. Oh, man. Trials and tribulations it's of running a, well, you're like a restaurant and a bakery. What do you call it? 
insanity. <laughs> it's called daisies, Danny. I know, but what's you know what's the overall name? Just restaurant and bakery. I think, got, I think it says restaurant and cafe online. Okay. Cafe and bakery, restaurant and bakery. I don't even know what's yeah. it say. <laughs> what does it? Your say? restaurant <laughs> is called. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see on Google and your website just says daisies. Yeah, yeah. that sounds about right. <clears throat> uh, it just says daisies. I think we changed it at one point, and it was bakery and cafe. Bakery and cafe, yeah. and. I either think Google just changed it back for us because it didn't believe us. Yeah, but prove it. We do have that. <laughs> we do have that cafe element to it now. And how do you like being in the new space? I mean, it's amazing. It's not that new, I guess, anymore. But it is, and I cannot believe this. It, what month is it? Ten. We are six and a half, almost seven months old. Yeah, it's on. I that has gone by unbelievably fast. Are there quirks with the old space that you're happy to be rid of? Oh, so many. <laughs> I can't even. It's the reason we got out of that space, um, which we we do still have that old space, um, and we were working on getting it fixed up. But oh, um, so there'll be a new concept there. There will, yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. spoiler alert! Yeah, yeah. Spoiler alert. do we know what it's going to be? We don't. You definitely <laughs> don't. Um, there is. I mean, we we did we have spoken about what we're, our intentions uh, had been, but those are going to probably change from what we wanted. We wanted to continue um, and transfer it into or, or uh, redo it into like more of a, a market situation. Um, with my brother, who's got the farm in Michigan, we wanted to have some sort of outpost here, but um, it is dragging on and some issues with... Basically, you know, the landlord has to fix up a lot of the building. It's not our building, so... So how did the move happen <clears throat> to the new space on, yeah, I mean, further down Milwaukee, I guess. Logistically? Yeah. yeah. Uh, logistically? Just like what? Yeah, you know, <laughs> obviously, it's, I mean, I'm, I, if I had to guess, it would seem like you outgrew the old space. Yeah. It. COVID? Okay. I mean, honestly, none of this would have happened without it. So it is basically we, when everything got shut down, my... Like I said, my little brother has a farm that's now in Berrien Springs, Michigan, just outside St. Joseph. It's about 65, 70 miles from here. You know, we were dinner only five nights a week. We had a brunch here and there, and then we were trying to actually get that going. And essentially, mandate came down to shut everything down. The Logan Square Farmer's Market was going to continue on. They had said, no, you know, this doesn't apply to us. We're an open-air outdoor you know, we're still planning on doing our stuff. My brother basically harvested a bunch of stuff, planned, came down, and they were like, yeah, it's off. And he had just, you know, spent all this money, all this product, it's going to go to waste. Mm-hmm. It's not like we're, you know, we're dealing with perishable items here. And with basically every outlet that he had shut down to take this stuff, we had decided to, you know, I called my, call my lawyer. I was like, what, you know, life from a licensing standpoint, like, what are we, you know, grocery stores are open. What, what is the, what are our options here? And, you know, we were able to open it in essentially under the guise of like uh, a market or a grocery store because it's an essential yeah. at that time. And we just invited a bunch of everybody we could find that was in the same situation of like, hey, I have all this stuff. Like Klug Farm came, Catalpa Grove had, you know, Meet my brother had his produce, and for us, you know, I've got a couple people that have worked with me for 15 years now, and it was like the the guy who makes all the pasta, and and you know, we were they're depending on the restaurant to be open, 
and we had made the choice of like we will sell our pastas by the pound and sauces at this market and we put on this basically indoor farmer's market and there was a line down the street and it was like holy shit and all the protocols and all those things so the support was amazing from from the start and we kind of needed to employ as many like from my perspective it was like you know stay home if 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 that's what you if you can't do that if you need you know there was so much stuff going on in terms of like you know no access to unemployment access to capital access to money. like we had no money yeah like as a business we had no money at that point we were like basically scraping to get by and all this kind of happened and then it was the catalyst for everything that we are now like lee omolinsky she had a table of pastries at that farmer's market and every week because she was out of a job she didn't have anywhere to, you know she was with i think boca group at the time and you had crossed <clears throat> paths with lee while you were at boca group so i've known her for like 20 years okay. we actually worked my first what i would consider my first professional job in this industry or a serious job i, I mean I've, I've been a bar back i've been a you know all all sorts of things this is when i was since i was like 16 as a as a bus boy but my first job that I had in this industry that I considered like a professional kitchen, she was in the pastry. And that was at, that was for Rick Tremonto, who was at True. And he was opening Osteria di Tremonto and Four Concepts that was out in Wheeling, Illinois. And Chris Pandel was the corporate executive chef. And it was basically like Rick had taken all of the sous chefs and and chef de cuisines, et cetera, and basically brought them to this con- this complex <laughs> and opened up these four restaurants. So that's uh, where we had met originally. She was in the pastry kitchen, and I was in the, of the steakhouse, I was in the prep kitchen of the Italian concept. Wow. <clears throat> Pretty crazy. Yeah, so deep history. <clears throat> Very, yeah. So, like, she was doing, um, you know, and, and I had, she was the first person I reached out to of just like, hey, we've we've got this up. You know, she's like, I don't have a job. I don't have any money. Can't get unemployment um, at that time because the system's all fucked yeah, up. up. Yeah. And uh, so we put her right in front of the window and opened the window. And she, you know, you have all these pastries. And it was like people just, she would sell out by 10 a.m. every day, 11 a.m. And so we were like, oh, well, this is pretty crazy. People's affinity for baked goods in that time was pretty, pretty wild. <laughs> yeah. So we that was you know and I mean she we've just crossed paths. We kind of we both worked for Chris and then we went separate ways. Kind of after that, I kind of went the Boca route. She went the one off route. And the Bristol stayed. together or no? So that was no. That was Amanda Rockman was with us at, at the okay. Bristol. But, but where did you and Lee cross paths with with Chris? At originally at that oh at Tremonto yeah yeah and then we kind of went separate ways. She ended up back with Boca at Swift and Sons, and I think it was Belmore. Okay, gotcha. After that, so but yeah, we've always been we've always been friends. You know, she was at my wedding. It's it's just and the more that you know, with once once I saw one the popularity of of what she was doing. We didn't have anything like that in our restaurant. We didn't have you know we're just super small. It was. It was my, you know, she was actually, it's funny enough, she was actually the consultant for a lot of the things that we did anyways. Hmm. So it would be like, hey, Lee, I'll pay you X amount of dollars if you just come up with some desserts for us over here. We'll execute them. But it's like we need one or two small sweet things after a meal in that restaurant because it used to be a bar. Yeah. I mean, we turned this place into a a restaurant that was doing, I mean, the most covers we ever did. So I think it was 60, if you include the bar, it was 66 seats, 10 
10 seats at the bar and we had the back room but on the during the summertime we had a patio and would add another 35 and out of a 60 seat restaurant we were doing the most we ever did was like 230 covers on a, on a saturday which is like a four turn you know three it, plus turns just like yeah. on you know in a, in a shoebox <clears throat> kitchen yeah i mean with no prep space no i mean it was the things that we pulled off there are pretty when i think back of it especially now yeah seeing what we have and the things that we used to be able to do there it's like you can pretty much do anything you're, you set your mind to. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So that was, a, you know, big part of the move was just upgrading the infrastructure yeah. exponentially. I have always known that I wanted to, do, you know, present the food in a certain way and the service in a certain way. And we were, we were limited by the space that we had. So back then you would do like 2.30 on a super, on the busiest possible busiest, day. Busiest, yeah. I mean. Now what's your busiest possible day in terms of covers? We, we hit our <laughs> record this Saturday, which was three seventy eight, and we're still we still have some room to to probably do more. And uh, that two twenty was like an anomaly. I feel like it was like, on average, we would end up doing. They also shrank the patio on us because the the, bill, <laughs> the landlord had to upgrade the the staircase so it bit into some of our seats yeah. on the patio. So we never touched that well, again. Eight the square footage. Yeah. So on, we would we would average around like one eighty on the weekends, one ninety on the weekends at the yeah. old space. Now we're so you're like pretty much three. like twice as big. Yeah, twice least, as busy. Yeah, and we're still not m- maximizing that potential. Three seventy eight. Cool. A lot of. A lot, a lot of people. Of, a lot of fucking, um, now, recently, Michael Nagrant named you best restaurant in Chicago. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah. Can the uptick? <laughs> <laughs> can did you see a, a big bump in traffic? I mean, not like you're hurting to fill seats, but did that, does that affect business? Yeah, I mean, it all does. Yep. It. I think that was the you know the catalyst for other other attention that came our way. So. While while that specific article, yes, it absolutely helped. And but I feel like what that did was get more national attention on what we're doing. That's an interesting idea. Mm-hmm. Like because I, I know Michael talks about how his readership isn't necessarily large, but I would yeah. imagine it's a very con- much like this podcast audience. Yeah. It's very concentrated. <laughs> yeah, and and there are people who are paying close attention. Yeah, I don't I don't want to put it this way, but it's more of like quality over quantity yeah yeah that's good as a so like the people more people well in the know okay, and see. and people were looking <laughs> to yeah, yeah, messing with you, well, you got you know you guys have he has a certain following and that you have to pay for this for yeah. his content yeah. which i i'm a wholeheartedly you know a believer in and if you are paying for that content you're probably you know more inclined to to one go and and listen to what this person's taking their advice if you will Mm -hmm. so we did see an uptick in people that were of note if you will especially industry folks Mm -hmm. which has always been the goal i mean i've you know it was always like my entire career we've always focused on making sure that the people in this industry are taken care of a little bit better than everyone else don't (laughs) <laughs> don't hate yeah don't hold that against yeah. me everyone else mm. but it is they're the people who are making sure you know i get asked a million times like hey where should i go eat and then you know people mm. from that are not in this industry and have no idea and so we want to make sure that the people that are, are in the industry and have that kind of influence were were at top of mind so we we try to if we and so if you are in the industry and we don't know about it make sure we know when you come here you get taken <laughs> care of a little extra better maybe we make some industry specific apparel <laughs> <laughs> don't hassle me i'm a local yeah exactly yeah so but no yeah i mean he that that led to more national attention and then you know the tribune was in after he was and i, I think they were going to come anyways which is funny they you know we never got a review from the Tribune when we opened originally at the hmm. open location. You know, the move was 
and I, I, I kind of joke all the time of like, we're pretty much just doing the same thing we've always been doing. And all of a sudden it's like cool, I guess, or <laughs> yeah. noteworthy. I think that's true of a lot of places. I think people yeah, seek out time. things that are unique or people doing things a certain way. And it's just a matter of time before that catches on or. Yeah, it took seven years. Um, <laughs> I mean, yes, not that, you know, we as Scofflaw weren't always, you know, doing uh, as like the culinary forward yeah. stuff, although we always did have good food. Um, we didn't get a trib review, uh, trib review until yeah, just yeah. recently. Yeah. So that's like 10 years deep. So, but to his, but you know, the, uh, you know, we, to, to Nagrin's point of like, you know, there he's him and, and other local, there's not a ton of local journalism in the food industry left. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, Michael Gabbert, um, is, is like a champion of the small places that no one knows um, and yeah. he, we were always kind of top, you know, in, in his, we were always on his list, very rate, you know, rated highly. Um, and so, um, but yeah, I think the Nagrant thing led to, um, you know, like, you know, we were mentioned in the New York times and it's like, since that happened, it's just been bananas. Cool. It's <clears throat> what you want to hear. It is. I mean, we went from, I mean, we were busy, don't get me wrong, but now it's like we're doing 300 people on a Tuesday. Yeah. So what kind of sweet. shifts do you make internally to accommodate? So I knew I got a two months heads up. Um, I got a phone call from <laughs> like, Hey, it's the New York times. And you're like, what the fuck? Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> but, uh, no, it's more of like, um, you know, they, they called, they didn't say what they were calling for, but it was just like, Hey, we, we just have some questions about, you know, the restaurant and some, you know, factual accuracies in terms of like, you know, timeline and menu items. And if we can get some more descriptions. So I knew it was about food and, but they were very vague about like what it was. And this was basically back in August, I want to say. And then, you know, talking to uh, a couple of other people, you know, one of our investors, our publicists, et cetera, they're like, I bet you it's for this list that's coming out and usually comes out in the fall. And with that information, I basically started hiring everyone I possibly could find, and 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 train because the training process is for us is is a long one, and it takes you know we we basically have a training period of like ninety days, and and we wanted to get ahead of that, and we so, did, and we still weren't ready. So, wow. well, can you walk us through <clears throat> the ninety day training process? Uh, well, it, it depends, I guess, on the position. If you're a manager, you basically go through every single position in the restaurant at least for one night sometimes longer if you're a manager in the kitchen you're going to spend at least a week on every station you have to know the food and the systems in terms of like expediting and see how service runs to get accustomed to a lot of what we do if you're you know you might if you're in the back as a manager you might spend one night at a host stand and one week on a station and if it's it's kind of flipped if you're in the front of house you might spend one night in the kitchen or one night on, you know, the cold side and one night more observing the hot side just to see how everything goes one night in the dish room, one night, you know, and then they would be maybe longer, you know, a couple nights at the host stand, a couple nights on the you know, floor managing, et cetera, et cetera. From an hourly employee standpoint, it's kind of, it depends a lot on the position. So yeah. like if you're the garmage cook, you're probably going to be inundated with garmage. <clears throat> Is it modeled after like stuff you learned at Tremonto or Boca or yeah. Bristol or but all of it? We've, we've, you know, we've, I've had the luxury of working for people who've worked for great people and, you know, systematically lettuce entertain you has been a, I've never technically worked for a lettuce entertain you restaurant, but all the systems that we have are kind of derived from them because of Tremonto and the way that he, you know, 
true being a part of lettuce they still were subjected to some of that stuff yeah um and chris uh pandel has beaten into my head um the systems <laughs> and the importance of making sure like um we're following through with those things and very systematic i think he was at osteria Viestato, which i don't know if that's lettuce i'm just i'm assuming at some point it was possibly um but he was there with um and, and the systems that they ran there so we brought all those things those are you know the restaurants we were implementing those systems and were massive yeah. And we take those systems and we'll apply them to a much smaller setting, you know, inventories. And it's all the same thing that most restaurants do, but it's more of just a systematic, like 50 clipboards to make sure that you're doing your job. Mm-hmm. And we apply that to what we're currently doing today. So like, you know, it's a, the systems we run are, are basically just pulled from everywhere that I've, I've kind of been. Boca has their own, but they're, you know, you know, Chris has huge influence there now because of, you know, helping when we were at Belena, it was like we implemented a lot of these systems and now they're, they're kind of doing those company-wide. That's cool. So your Boca path, you started at Perennial Ferrant, right? I did, with yeah, the, with Paul, which was just wild. Eat what you can, can what you can. Yeah, I mean, it was a pretty awesome, that was an awesome restaurant. And and just from a dining, just from the dining room alone of like, you walk in and there's just jars of pickles that we were <laughs> basically using. And they were stored in the dining room. And the fact that that was like, you know, legal at the time, because in the city, that was like, no one was doing that. No one had those HACCP programs that legally you could do. I mean, they, they were doing it. They just weren't able to display it because yeah. of the legality of it. So that was the first program that I ever worked in that was like full on HACCP and just worked with great people there. And, you know, that relationship wasn't, you know, that was far more, you know, in the kitchen. It was, you know, Paul is the least corporate person I've ever met in my entire life. So, <laughs> you know, that, I don't, I don't know if that was, you know, a, a long lasting relationship, but from the cooking side point and the things that I learned there, you know, it was amazing. I mean, I don't want to get <clears throat> anyone in trouble here. What yeah, do you course. think makes him not like, what do you think made it not a corporate fit or just that Paul likes to do things his own way? Yeah, that's more, I mean, it's. You know, it was the first and last time someone's name was in the title of a restaurant, right? In that group? Yeah. Yeah, yeah probably. I mean, I think everybody learned lessons there. It was um and it 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 was a great experience for I think, you know, I don't think there's any ill will towards anyone there. But it was more I mean I'm not sure. All the GT stuff. I was like, is Tim right? Oh yeah, it does <laughs> like literally Giuseppe, Giuseppe Tentori. Tentori. Yeah. <laughs> it's like everything that has Giuseppe. <laughs> Tim just it was a trivia like, question. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess not. Like yeah, spelled out, I guess. Yeah. So you know, I mean Paul is uh does things his own way. I mean, I remember yeah. when I first first I would go out there and stage with him. Um, you know, quite a bit actually. Back back way before I mean this was like two thousand uh, seven eight six seven eight um when they were brand they were about a year old i would go like you know um they were like hey you gotta go out to this restaurant and learn all this you know this guy's doing crazy stuff pickling and all this things and it's out in western springs and oh v yeah so v so i would go out to i would go out to v and and i met nathan and and just got to know them and, and me and a couple friends from at osteria at the time there we were so that was like yeah 2006 7 we were stodging there and you know i basically uh, like Pandel basically kicked me out of the Bristol and was like, he traded me to perennial. Um, <laughs> and it was like, uh, go work for this dude. He's amazing. Um, you've already been staging out there. And, and so then, but he just, you know, on my stages, I'd be like, so like, how, you know, what's, what are your, some of the systems that you run? And, 
you know, like inventory, and he's like, yeah, we don't, <laughs> <laughs> we don't, yeah. we don't do that. You know, yeah, we kind of like, know what we're doing. We don't, yeah, need that. we don't need that. It's like with only you could you could only run it that way if you're there all the time, all the time. And he was, yeah, and and, and, you, and I, if you try to do it like that and you're not there, then things are going to go very poorly. Thousand percent agree because that was you know the, basically the way we ran Little Daisies. I was there every single day. I knew every single thing was coming in, coming out. I do all. Yeah. I, I still I do all the AP. I do like I am the office manager, dude. <laughs> so yeah. still, I'm I'm currently working on um, <laughs> offloading that. that. Out, yeah. yeah. Are you holding down any shifts in the kitchen on a consistent basis? I just can't. It's from a from so many levels. They just put you on a Zoom screen in there, and you're just yeah. virtually <laughs> inspecting every day. So I'll expedite from time to time. I was, you know, when we first opened, I was there. I was expediting almost every night or involved more in the, in the actual, but physically I can't physically cook anymore. It's, it's yeah. actually painful. No, what, I mean, what are the injuries? I got major arthritis in both hands. Oh. So it's like, it's from all the, you know, 20 years of just beating the hell out of yourself. Yeah. But it's more of also like, I just don't, I don't have the capacity. I am, I'm there basically currently I'm there, you know, nine, 10 in the morning. I will, do all the admin stuff, answer all the questions, have all the meetings, do all the menu planning with Thomas, who's our chef or who's our head of culinary now. And then pre-shift, we'll go home. We'll pick up my, pick up my litter of children <laughs> and then go home. Um, usually cook dinner, uh, hang out with them until six, six thirty, and then go straight back to the restaurant. Um, and I'm usually there. A lot of it's just for service. I'm, I've been, um, involved in more of the front of house service like touching tables and yeah you know it's like people expect to see you in the restaurant at all times and yeah it's a it's tough it's a lot of pressure it is and and you know um there's a lot of people that come in that i haven't seen in years and i want to see and yeah I, of course know, it's like we do everything we can to make sure that they feel special and et cetera, et cetera. but a lot of it's just like um you know now and now i'm getting better at more of just like Hey, you know, there's somebody coming at six, someone seven, someone eight. I'll come in at seven to see everybody, say hi, what's up? And I usually send them, end up spending there till 10 o'clock. But <laughs> you try to, you know, yeah. I try to, I try to cross as many uh, people as you possibly can. But yeah, it's, it's, and I'm currently in the process of like training. I mean, it just feels like 10 people to help kind of offload a lot of that work yeah. so that the, the business and the brand can push and grow. So on a day like today where you're expecting to be open, city shuts you down, is it like, oh, I mean, outside of this podcast, obviously, yeah. are there things where like, oh, now I can finally catch up on this? This is something I've been putting off? Mm, yes and no. I mean, it's more of like now I can go hang out with my kids this afternoon, which is more. That's nice. Yeah, it's more I feel like my off, those opportunities are spent more towards the opportunity to have that family time that is so hard to come by when you're in this industry. So, and yeah. is the city just like <clears throat> work will always be there. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, I will, I will yeah. always have, you know, I've learned that it's just like, you can never do enough work. Like no matter how true. much you clean off your plate, <laughs> there's no finish there's 15 line. things behind yeah. it. So it just doesn't matter mm -hmm. until you sell the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so when the city, so the city said they were coming yesterday, they didn't come. So no, they said they're they they coming, coming Friday. Friday, Friday yeah. So you're shut down. Yeah. Then today they did come. So you can, is the city, are you able to go and be like, so I'm missing out on X <laughs> revenue or is it just like, sorry, I no, there's no like reimbursement. No, no, this is from the city itself. No chance. Yeah. I mean, you can tell um, I don't work in the industry, but, yeah, you know, but like, no, like you're just, just like, Oh, question, sorry. Yeah. You're just fucked for two days. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the only recourse you may have is to be like, is like file an insurance claim because you're you possibly would be business interruption. Yeah, and it wasn't planned. But uh, again, it's just to me, it's just like the it's legal a lot fees. Of fun. Yeah, it's like a cost yeah. of doing business thing, and it's very annoying for sure. Yeah. So, and I mean, you know, it's it's it, we eat it. That's yeah. just what it comes down to. Yeah. Yeah, it's so unfortunate. Fourth time in a month. Oh, damn. You used to not have the bakery at all. Yeah. Back when it was LD. Yeah. Little Daisy. I like that, yeah. And now you have this entire new kind mm-hmm. of arm, the bakery and mm-hmm. cafe, I guess. Yeah. This revenue stream. Like, what, yeah, what has it been like kind of starting a business within a business? And how has that kind of helped overall? So it's one of many, it's helped quite a bit from a branding perspective. It also gave us the, you know, Lee, we brought on as a partner. So she, she, it's just another person that I can rely on being there to help, you know, as a, in a, in a physical capacity yeah, as well. Trust and yeah, everything, yeah. You know, so it's like, you know, Hey, this is your thing. She's never, she's never, she's always run her departments and, and, you know, in, in hotels as well. So like huge settings. She's very, yeah. you know, she's worked in huge restaurants. She's done AP. She's was doing the invoice and receiving for Swift and Sons when she was there. So she, she knows more than just like pastry. Right. And so to bring somebody in who we have, you know, we have an intelligent individual who can help push the agenda of the business. That was the, the, and, and her, pro, I mean, her product is just amazing. It was kind of like, Hey, let's get this open. Once it's open, it's, it's yours. You're going to run it. So she's there all the time. She's, you know, inundated with learning how to, run her own business with the security of being within another business mm-hmm. so that she doesn't necessarily have to absorb every part of what that bakery entails. So like, you know, she can rely on the rent from the dinners and she can, you know, rely on crossing, cross utilizing the labor that would be necessary for labor, for dinner time anyways. So it takes a little bit of the burden off of if it was an individual bakery, I feel like it would, you yeah, know, especially harder. as a startup, it'd be much harder. Are there people that do prep for both things? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so there's like cross prep. Absolutely. And then, so like, this is just the beginning in terms of, we needed this bigger facility and it has a, it has a matching basement. So it's like a 6,000 square foot basement. And it allows us to have the capacity to, you know, extend out the, you know, how much can we monetize? And it was like, if you're here, we're here anyways at eight in the morning every day for dinner service we would be because we're we, every all the pasta we make is made in house um we don't buy any shapes and so and there's 12 shapes on the menu right now so people even at the old restaurant people are there at 8 a.m and it's like you, if you're not open for for business you're just burning money that's not taking any revenue in at that time right yeah so for us it was like let's just <clears throat> we're here anyways let's you know, let's see if we can get people in and spending money in any capacity. Um, we partnered with La Colombe. Um, we had Lee basically do the pastries and then we used to do these, you know, <laughs> and all this stuff from COVID, like we were talking about earlier. Um, when we had the market at the old restaurant, we needed to get people to come to the market. So we started selling sandwiches to just entice people to come. Yeah. And so, Hey, people love the sandwiches. The sandwiches are outstanding. Uh, yeah. yeah. I had a potato tart last week. That was excellent. There's one in that pastry box. Oh, nice. So are these all your uh, recipes, the sandwiches? Sandwiches, a lot of it was Thomas, who's our head of culinary now. He basically, so like, talk about a godsend, man. Like, this dude started a month before COVID. (laughs) So he never never saw the old restaurant, and I feel so bad about it. But basically, you know, he he was tasked with a lot of this, especially with a lot of moving parts of like, you know, hey, you're in charge of the kitchen. Like, 
we're going to do this together. So he came up with him and Aubrey, who was a sous chef with us. They came up with basically the entire lunch menu while we were building out a grocery store and stocking shelves and figuring out the logistics of how to be a retail grocer down to like, hey, you need a scale to weigh the onions. Uh, so it was like all these things that we had to completely, you know, refigure out. How often were you getting shorted by the distributors on? <laughs> mm-hmm. No, no, it's not not often. That we, we every time I meet brother. someone, they're like, no, well, yeah, not, but not <laughs> well, that, that would mean yeah. more. <laughs> <laughs> but not a hundred percent of the produce is coming from him, right? No, no, it's not yeah. possible. So yeah, like every time I meet someone, they're like, yeah, I know, I have a friend who has a restaurant, and they started weighing like the different, yeah. you know, like if yeah, you got like forty pounds of. Yeah. Or potatoes or something they were starting to weigh them and realize that a lot of the time they would be short by like five pounds yeah. yeah and they started to have to like call out the distributors because they were just taking advantage of people who never thought to check yeah absolutely that's why i bring a scale to steakhouses it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the pre-cooked weight you go back yeah. in the kitchen and then you get back out yeah i mean so it was all of that was going on so then it was like hey we need to we need this you know i my wife went to University of Michigan and there's a place there called Zingerman's. And yeah. it was like every mm-hmm. single time I go, you know, we would go to a football game at least once a year. And it's like that pilgrimage. And the only reason I kind of tagged along was to go to Zingerman's. Yeah. I mean, um, the sandwiches are great. I think the prices have now, they, oh. seem, they seem less <laughs> crazy now, but they used to seem absolutely wild. Yeah. I mean, I, I'd be like, oh, $25 sandwich. I will, crazy. <laughs> I will absolutely agree. But at the same time, I mean, it is a huge sandwich. Yeah. It's a sandwich. I mean, for sure. And they, I respect what they're doing. And obviously they take it very seriously. Yeah. Train the staff, their hospitality, everything. I, I also think, you know, to make, to make sandwiches at that level with the ingredients they use, I mean, you're, they're probably not far off. And I, I think there's a great misconception here of what food should actually cost and the amount of the amount of work that goes into it is, is pretty just yeah. crazy to pull that off. So the sandwiches were created to bring people into the grocery. So now we have those sandwiches also because we have the counter service down the street. We reopened it down the street. So now we have pastries, we have sandwiches, and we also, you know, we saw a ton of people wanting access to our retail pastas and sauces because of the market from COVID. And so now we're at the farmer's market. And so... Yeah, we needed all this space to a lot of stuff. Got a ton of stuff, right? So, like, how do you monetize as much of this space as you know, as many hours of the day as you possibly can? You have rent, you have this one, you know, this one space where you have how many different lines of revenue can you create? So, like, because you know, COVID showed me that if you're just a dinner only restaurant five nights a week, you're fucked. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So. We, we can't rely on that old model. Well, and, it's cool and, you figured it out. Yeah. On the other side of this, would you, do you think you're better off? Absolutely. Seems, seems like it. Yeah. A thousand percent. So yeah, I think that's what the pandemic did was force Silver people to lining. be nimble. Yeah. And by, I mean, same with our business, you know, we were smarter on the other side of everything yeah, and I, forced innovation. I mean, the day that the night they shut everything down, I think it was the 17th of March. I was with your old, your old boss. Paul Verant, we I was adding, I, I was eating at Guy Jen and it was like the last night before everything closed. Yeah. That's nuts. It's I crazy. went They They told us, you know, we, we had this like secret meeting at chef special. Um, yeah, we were there for that. Yeah, we were, yeah, we were <laughs> yeah. all there. So yeah. that was wild. It was, um, that was a, the wild thing was that moment. I was there. I was there. <laughs> I didn't belong. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, they, they basically said like, Hey, we're, this is what's going to happen. And you know, I went out, I think I got a sack of double cheeseburgers from McDonald's and it was like our last meal with everybody there. And we're like, Hey, well, you don't know what's going to happen. We'll see you in a while. 
but at that meeting it was like hey like this is you know this is going to be the hardest thing we're ever going to do in your career and how you approach this from here going forward is whether or not you're going to be out on the other side and it yeah. was like remember you know like, hey like remember where we are remember like this and because it'll never be like this again and everything mm-hmm. going forward is is going to change so and it was i mean i had this like i was googling like sba assistance in like february late january because i was like this is gonna be really bad based upon what i had seen from just the normal business that we had was already people were already starting to be like hey you know like maybe i don't go out to dinner in this tiny ass restaurant that's mm-hmm. seating people yeah. six inches from each other so <laughs> we had i had already been starting doing research and, and things like uh, why i have no idea i had no proof yeah, like, yeah it was you just a weird it. feeling of like yeah. dude i need premonition yeah get out in front of it but um, yeah so like the farmer's market and all those things have come from that so like being you know we are a far far more dynamic far more adaptable and we have employed when we currently have 86 employees wow and so it's like Pretty we've impressive. been able to you know um really absorb um a lot of work and it allows us to um kind of pivot and move when things have to happen if somebody calls off sick we have people to help out if somebody and they're all cross-trained and that's kind oh, of yeah. what we had to do as well it's like you know we've got servers who work farmers markets or we've got cooks who know how to work a register yeah <laughs> so um over, I mean, horrible, terrible experience, especially for, you know, all the, the, the destruction left in its wake. But like for us, we'll end up being the best thing that ever happened to the business. This episode is brought to you by Scofflaw Old Tom Gin, a tasty, versatile spirit. Created in Chicago in 2012, the product was born out of a need for a bespoke iteration of the Old Tom style, which is the slightly sweeter predecessor to London Dry. Scofflaw Old Tom Gin carries classic notes of orange peel, juniper, and coriander while balancing on a subtle floral edge thanks to the addition of osmanthus blossoms. Its elevated proof is suitable in cocktails or unadorned. Scofflaw Old Tom Gin. Complete your bar. Now, I would be remiss if I did not bring up the move to go to service charge yeah. and I guess your stance on everything yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, You're yeah. kind of a pioneer in <laughs> switching to the service charge. Like people like you and Jason Hamill and a few others um, kind of like preemptively, not even preemptively, had, had done that like without all of this conversation yeah. about the minimum wages changing for tipped employees. Yeah, so we, again, COVID, COVID was part of the catalyst for that. You know, we originally started doing a service charge team and it was like, hey, we, you know, we have the same insurance agent as Jason Vincent from Giant and they were doing, they had opened Baby, I think a year before us and they were offering insurance to their employees and small restaurant, super small restaurant. So we knew it was possible and we kind of wanted to, to emulate that and say, hey, you know, as somebody who's worked in this industry and been taking advantage of it for the entire time I've been in it. Mm-hmm. Um, how, yeah. do we, how do we... Change the cycle. Yeah. And somebody tasked, you know, I worked for, um, you know, the biggest, one of the bigger influences in my entire career, um, Aaron Phillips, who was our, our general manager from, uh, at Belena, mm-hmm. um, basically made me do her job. And it was like, 
as a as the chef of the restaurant who's essentially being the GM of the restaurant and showing me how to do all these things, pushing me to understand those types of things, the importance of taking care of the people that are in the building. And she tasked me with like, you know, I was always like, man, fucking cooks just get paid shit comparatively. Um, it's not, you know, for some reason, you know, the, the drink that comes from the bar is part of service, but the food that comes from the kitchen is not. And you can tip out a bartender, but you can't tip out a cook. Like that makes zero sense to me whatsoever. Right. Um, and in a, in a time in 2017, 18, we're trying to get the best talent we possibly can in this, in this tiny ass restaurant that nobody's really heard of. It's really hard to, 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 you know, get somebody to believe that this is the place that they should be spending their, their formative years. Um, and the only thing I had to sell that on was like, yo, I'm here every single day. I'm right next to you and I'll teach you anything you want. And it was like, how, but how do we, how do we compete with these, these big groups, these big restaurants to get the best cooks? And, you know, she tasked me with like, Hey, you don't like it, change it. Um, you can sit here and bitch and whine and cry about it all you want, but if you're not <laughs> actively doing anything to change the system and, and as daunting of a task that that might seem then I don't want to hear about it. Right. So it, it was more, a lot of that kind of mentality that when I thought, you know, when I was, saw I had an opportunity to do my own thing, I just made the decision that I was going to try to do it in a better way and learned a lot of lessons. You know, there's a lot of lessons that I learned in my past and working for, for everyone, you know, good and bad, but you usually take away the best lessons I've usually taken away is what not to do. And, and what it was, you know, when we came here, it was like talking with Jason and, and the insurance, you know, his insurance agent, Roseanne, who we share now. Um, I don't know if she still has her, but she helped us with a model that was like, hey, it's 50 bucks per check and we can charge that service charge on the on the bill. And at the time we were like, hey, if this pisses you off, like we'll remove it. And we had a handful of individuals who were like, get this off the check, you know. And so we, you know listened and, and would oblige because we, we want to be as hospitable as possible. But after COVID and when I realized that, you know, a lot of people went home to the coasts or wherever they were from. And, you know, we still have a core group of people who've been with us kind of since day one. And we would have all sort, you know, when it was a takeout model, it was like, we have all sorts of different, you know, revenue coming in from takeout, coming in from, I mean, people were just slipping checks through our door. Like it was wild. Like that's the community support that we wow. had. And it's, it's, it, it was like, these are tips. How do I legally kind of distribute them to managers? Cause a lot of times it was like, Hey, managers, salary employees are doing this stuff. Like technically they're not you know, eligible, eligible yeah. to participate. Mm-hmm. So once we went back to an in-person um, dining room and I think we had 12 tables total for the entire restaurant inside and outside. So, I'm sitting here like, how many people can we actually employ with this? And we, we tried to, like, again, we, we kept our managers. We tried to keep everybody we could. And it, it just came down to, like, all right, well, we're just going to charge a service charge on anybody who's eating inside the restaurant. Because what it allows us to do is distribute that money more equitably so that just people can get paid better. Yeah. <laughs> As opposed to, like, you know, hey, it's, a, it's almost like a lottery for servers as well. It's like... This person's in a in an extra gregarious, generous mood. Here's a hundred bucks. It's <laughs> like, yeah. what the? F- okay, cool, great. You know, was that person going to do that anyways? Maybe well, was it that that extra step of service that? And so then that that would be tied to only that person. And it's like, you know, I, I saw something in you know whatever scrolling through the feed today, and it was like, 
oh, this, these 12 people will always go to one restaurant and leave like a $2,000 tip. And it's like, mm-hmm. cool. Well, that's <laughs> the only person who can participate in that is that person. And that's awesome. And that's amazing. Like, yeah. super generous. But, you know, there's a lot of other people who, who make are, it happen. Yeah. So, like, coming from a, the kitchen and running, you know, as a, as a <laughs> chef, if you will, who's running a restaurant and who I'm, I'm far more involved in service right now as well. From the front of house stand, standpoint of things, it's like everybody in the restaurant is an integral part of the restaurant. Like the dishwasher goes down, you're fucked. Right. You don't, you know, so like how come we can't raise everyone's rates? And this was the way to do it. Um, and I, you know, I consulted, um, you know, I, I shot Nick Agonis a Facebook message to his, uh, mm-hmm. just to talk about, because I had saw that they were doing the service charge uh, model. And it was like, you know, it's quote unquote, one of the best restaurants in the, in the country, if not the world, et cetera. And they're doing it. And the level of service that they provide is, you know, over the top. Um, I felt like we are able to provide, you know, from a service standpoint, we've always really, really tried to make sure that we are, you know, as, as stacked with, from a standpoint of staffing, but also knowledge, like that amount of in-depth, you know, training from, from a server, from like ingredients and, dietary restrictions, allergies, where, you know, knowing from where the food comes from and being able to answer all those questions. But, you know, the kitchen knows, has to know all that stuff and, and being able to compensate everybody for it. I mean, these are professional people and we want to pay them properly. And so this, we, we basically got rid of the sub minimum wage tip credit and um, paid. So the way it works is everyone has to be paid at least minimum wage in the restaurant. Um, you know, and, and Jason Hamill from uh, Lula got me on a phone call. Um, it was like a, a national phone call with people from all, chefs from all over the country. And I believe it was the Independent Restaurant Coalition, I believe. Um, and they were talking about models uh, across the country from other restaurants and food establishments that had basically been doing the service charge and all the positive benefits that they kind of had um, from it. And all of the negative you know, things that come with it as well. And yeah. Like people constantly like, well, why don't you just raise the price? Like, dude, I've heard 25%. I've heard every single yeah. one of them. And I mean, from, from people who've eaten here, but people who've also just are lobbing grenades from afar. Yeah. Like, they've never experienced, <laughs> never yeah. eaten here. They, they probably don't, don't live support, in the state. Yeah, they don't, yeah. they, it's more of a political thing for them. So they're like, well, you know, they come at the one, I, somebody told me that, uh, whatever. It was a lot of, yeah. Or the <laughs> ones like from other countries are like, we just pay everyone, uh, yeah. you know, a living wage. And that that's, that's why there's no tipping. Yeah. But they, I mean that while that's true, there's also, they still put service charges on their bills. So, sure. um, it's more of a European model of what we kind of do. I'm just playing the, yeah, yeah. the role of the, um, the jokester. Yeah, but, grenades, you know. No, but that's, it's, you know, I've got, we could absolutely, you know, roll everything into the prices. Right. But where, where that doesn't work is that until it's, until that's kind of a mandated situation, yeah, like it's not going to work for everybody. Because yeah. then it looks like you're just charging way more than everyone else. And even if you're explaining like, no, but this, you don't have to tip because it's included and they still don't understand it. Correct. They don't come in. So until it's universal, it's not going to work. And part of that reason is from a staffing standpoint as well. As a, as a server, we're trying to get the best servers we possibly can, the best talent. They're going to go where they can control their own money in a way. doesn't matter. Like at the end of the day, a lot of it, yes, you want to be in a place that you believe in. Yes, you want to go to work and love your job. But a lot of, I mean, if you can make more money doing the same thing, you want to be able to be in control of that. Mm-hmm. So if, if we, if, 
you know, if we rolled everything into our prices and it's like, hey, we're just going to pay this server this, this, you know, $30 an hourly rate, $40 an hourly rate, and they don't, there's no other incentive other than that, they're not going to, we're not going to get the best talent. Yeah, there still <clears throat> has to be an option to make money on top of whatever Correct. the charge is. It's got to be a sales, you know, it's a, you're, you're a salesperson at the end of the day. It's a commission, if you will. Yeah. And, and so that's kind of how we looked at it. You know, we, we had that original 5% surcharge for the insurance benefits on the bill. And we, we fully believe that, you know, the service we provide is worth the, the 20%, if you will. And so we just said, you know what, if Alinea can do it, we're going to do it. <laughs> it seems like it worked out, you know. And, and it's no slight at them, but it's, I think it's, you know, as a model of like, they take themselves unbelievably serious. They're extremely professional at what they do. We're no different. The amount of training and the amount of care and, and yeah, quality knowledge. of ingredients. Yeah. We're ordering food from products from the same purveyors. Except they don't have your brother as a connection. They <laughs> might actually. But he saves his primo stuff for you. He does. Well, you know. that's what he says. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I feel like there's, you know, every industry charges fees on their bills. Whether it's, you know, if you're renting a car, if you're, if yeah. you're calling for maintenance, it's like 125 bucks for that person just to leave the facility, whether you have something wrong or not. Right. We're just looking at it from a perspective of like, we want to be able to, con- to, to redistribute that, that money without crushing the consumer's bills. Um, in terms of like, if you ordered, you know, we don't do a service charge for the cafe. We're not right. providing that service. It's a counter service. We're not going to charge that premium service. Um, if you get to go food, we're not putting that on your bill. We're not giving you that service. So it's kind of run independently from that. Um, but it's been overwhelmingly positive from in, from, you know, inside the restaurant. Like we've never been, we've, we've never really had a, sh- uh, a shortage of staff yeah, for the past three healthily. years. Yeah. That's working. Yeah. So, you know, we'll see in a restaurant this size, we'll see come tax time what that looks like. But, mm-hmm. you know, those because a lot of those incentives are removed, that tax credit doesn't necessarily, like, you, there's a 7% tax credit that goes back to, you know, based upon the amount of tips you take in that you can apply to your tax bill. So we lose that. So we'll, you know. There, yeah, you'll figure it out. Yeah, we always do. Adjust. And, and we're, it, we've been doing this for three plus, uh, yeah, three plus years. It's yeah. not like, it's not like we started doing this six months ago. It's um, <laughs> something that. It's well established. We've, we've, we believe in the people, you know, once, once we get people in, they buy into it, um, you know, and everybody who's worried about like, man, it's like um, you're taking advantage of your employees and you're like, they're still <laughs> here. <laughs> they have a choice. They don't have to stay. If it was that bad and we're sitting here stealing money from all these people, like they wouldn't. Yeah. If it, you know what I mean? Like For it's sure. very comparable to what they were making before. Yeah. We're making sure that everybody's taken care of. They have benefits. They've gotten, you know, options for insurance. They've got options for 401ks. They've got options for time off as hourly employees after tenure. And it's like, God forbid we make a career out of, you know, mm-hmm. what we do, yeah. what we do. Cool. Well, I just wanted to, you know, ask that substantive question before yeah, we got to the gratuity a, round. It's a hot button. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely, um, my, my inbox is filled with people who say, I don't know how to run a business. So it's like, cool. Yeah, <laughs> it seems like you do know how to run a business. I did want to touch a little bit on your international work. I saw that you um, yeah. did an apprenticeship abroad. Oh, yeah. Fat duck. What was that like working in the kitchen? Of that caliber? Yeah. So 2006. So I started... In my opinion, I had started late. You know, I was always growing up. I always had a huge interest in food. Didn't didn't know anything 
that are, it could be applied. You know, we had we didn't have cable growing up, so I had a lot of time spent with PBS. <laughs> and on PBS, it was always like Yan Ken Cook, Julia Child, uh, Frugal Gourmet, you know, Jacques Vapin, and I was just like upset like i'd just come home from school and i would turn this on and my mom was what the fuck something's wrong with this kid brutal <laughs> gourmet that's a throwback oh that guy yeah that guy was, he was awesome he got into i think he got into some trouble but he was the show was great but Tim it was mailed ve- him out. yeah <laughs> it was very you know formative in terms of like sparking an interest in things but i never like cooked over you know grandma's stove or anything like that my mom was a great cook for you know she had we had she had four kids. She stayed at home, basically made sure everything, you know, was cooking all the time, all the time, making sure we were taken care of. And, but I never really had that, like, I started actually taking food seriously when I was probably like 22, 23. And most of the people that I knew were like 18 who, you know, if they were going into this industry, you go straight out of high school. I had taken the national college tour around uh, multiple different colleges trying to figure out what I was going to do. And but I, I kept going back to like food as this um, as this option, and I was always scared to do it because it was like, where is this going to lead me? You know, mm-hmm. um, it wasn't the coolest thing in the world at that time um, to be doing when I was a kid. I guess um, somebody handed me a copy. A friend, a very good friend of mine, gave me a copy of Bourdain's um, Kitchen Confidential, and that was like kind of the pushing me to like, oh, like this is crazy. It sounded appealing and tried to get into culinary school, tried to get into the CIA, couldn't get in because they're like, you need, you know, years of apprenticeship to be considered or I don't even know what it was, but I'm like, I'm already behind. I don't have time for this shit. So I went to a community college, went to their culinary program, left there, went to, took one semester there. Went to, took another semester at Columbia College for radio broadcasting for some reason. Um, nice. <laughs> Which here, brings it you right here. here. <laughs> it all worked out. Um, Long play. <laughs> <laughs> Which I will say hindsight is probably one of the better classes I've ever taken because it pre- like set me yeah. up for a lot of this. I think Tim was in that class. You can tell us what we're doing wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Same headphones. I'm not going to lie that they handed out. But so that, lent, you know, that, that yeah, these are vintage me. model headphones. Yeah. <laughs> it looks exactly like, um, so for well, literally what I sat down, I was like, Oh, these are from Columbia. Same shit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, this is actually, we're taking this class for extra credit yeah. right now. Oh, this so is an elective. This is our dissertation. <laughs> yeah. It's an independent study right here. Um, so, but that, led me to you know the Illinois Institute of Art in Chicago and I was doing classes there at 7 30 in the morning I would cook until three leave there come back to Tremonto's cook there until one in the morning go back rinse repeat basically five days a week um I felt like I was unbelievably behind and so I hadn't you know I didn't have this pedigree working in New York and all these other places and it was you know Pandel at the time was a corporate executive chef of this place so he was like nine to five and 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 my interaction, I knew that this person, every single person that I encountered who knew that I was working in this place was like, you need to pick this dude's brain. And so I started coming in early. My shift was scheduled to start at five. I'd be there at noon and I'd be like, hey, what's up? You don't know me. Do you need help? And basically tugging on the shirt sleeve at all times. He was like pushing me to, you know, introducing me to all these different restaurants from around the country. He came from New York. He came from Andrew Carmelini and Daniel Balud. So, you know, this person has this pedigree. He's, you know, working for Tremonto, who was a huge name at that time. 
um, and was kind of emphasizing like, hey, sir, go to the places that, you know, um, so push me in that direction. And I started doing research and was like, I found this list of, I think it was the 50 best lists and I, I didn't even know it existed. And mm-hmm. it, I think at the time it was LBE was number one, Fat Duck was number two. The year before it was switched, Fat Duck was one and they had, they had gone to two. Um, and so I was just started sending, I sent an email um, randomly mm. to them and I was like, yo, I don't know anything. Um, and they were like, awesome. That's exactly what we want. Uh, you know, come on over. And Sold my car, got a, got a second job, sold my car, moved, uh, you know, took a few months, moved to, to London, outside London, and it was a town called Bray in Berkshire, Maidenhead. My parents were like, what the fuck is this kid doing? <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> every job, I, you know, <laughs> I got out of, you know, culinary school, every job I took was for less money. Every single job <laughs> I took was for less money. Going, Seems to be the, the way to go. That's uh, yeah, and and so like I had just spent you know they see this culinary bill, and they're yeah. like this kid's screwed and he's making I don't even know eight dollars an hour at that time yeah. to be um, you know at one of the better restaurants supposedly for one of the better chefs in the in the country, and what I realized is the better the the better the restaurant is the, the less the you pay, yeah. and so um, they pay you in prestige. Yeah, I mean. And, and so, so like my dad, like they were my parents and God, you know, to my parents credit, we're just like, let's let this idiot see it through. And, Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, it was basically like, Hey, do you, are you sure you want to do this? I'm like, I just sold the the car, only car I've ever had in love. And and what was the car? It was a 99 Jeep Wrangler Sahara. It was amazing. Oh man. Oh my God. Hard to Um, let that go. Yeah. 35s (laughs) on it. Like awesome. (laughs) They hold their value on the secondary market though. I'm sure you got top dollar for it. Top. Like uh-huh. I basically sold it for what I bought it for, and I'm pissed if I ever find that car, I will buy it again. <laughs> You'll but, get it. Tim will find it. He can track stuff. Yeah, track it five speed. You know, on the floor, it's fucking great. <laughs> so sold it, moved, and you know, packed just basically packed my shit. I had no idea. I was trying to stay there as long as I could, and you know, turns out this whole visa thing, you know, they don't let you do that, so they kicked me back out. But it was unbelievably in, intense in terms of like, you know, basically what it. You know, I learned a lot about food and technique and at that time like sous vide and you know fluid gels were all the rage and it was like things that you just didn't see here in the states very much they had these like cryovac machines i'd never seen any of this stuff so exposure to that was a huge part of it exposure to technology and equipment and things that were just light years ahead of what we were doing but also just discipline in general so it was like you know do you have the discipline to hold yourself accountable as opposed to waiting for somebody to basically tell you something's right or wrong. And it was, you know, it was probably 40 stages across the street from the restaurant, not even in the restaurant Mm -hmm. because these buildings were built in like the 1500s with no floor drains. So you'd like wash the floor and sweep the water back into a mop bucket as it like put it, put it down a drain because they're grandfathered into whatever historical building. So they couldn't even put floor drains in. That's crazy. So like across the street from, the actual the, the restaurant fat duck there was their prep kitchen and it was a two-story building there was a lab up st- up top and on the first floor there was the stage kitchen and there was 40 40 around probably 40 people who would work there on a daily basis six days a week you were pretty much required to be there six days a week they did a lunch service they did a dinner service there was 45 per service 45 guests 
one day a week you would spend with the Garmanger, one day a week you would spend with the pastry program. And it was super intense. I mean, it was it was like graduate school, if you will, because it's like nonstop prep work, knife work, exposure to ingredients you'll you probably never will see all in one spot at the same time again. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we would get in pigeons whole <laughs> and you know, hang them for two weeks. But you know, part of the the whole process was like, well, the first thing you got to do is empty the entire cooler, scrub it from top to bottom from the previous birds that were hanging. You know, scrub into each individual piece, then go through put, individually, put everything back together. And the, again, these are there's no floor drains in this place, so oh. let alone oh. you know how much work <laughs> you're, you're seeing. So like, you know, putting everything back together, then taking the birds from start to finish. You know, down to you know, the amount of specialized cuts and basically brunoise nonstop, everything, or turning, you know, mushroom, fluting mushrooms, turning artichokes. Everything came in raw. Everything was fabricated by us. And it was, we would show up at 7.30 in the morning would be the start to the shift. If you were trying to get ahead, you'd be there at 6.30 in the morning. So it was, it was like whoever got there first, you know, kind of had the best stuff to work with that day. Mm. Um, they would set up, uh, they would, the, you know, the prep kitchen had their own sous chef who was in charge of all the, the stages or multiple sous chefs were in charge of the stages. Um, you get your prep list for the day and depending on your skill level, you'd be dealt certain things. And it was like, Hey, you're amazing at, you know, taking the individual cells out of each piece of grapefruit. Like you're going to do that for nine <laughs> hours today. And you're like, awesome. Supremes. No, like no, taking even. the Supremes. And then, so basically like of a grapefruit, you would have your you'd have your segment of grapefruit. Yeah. You would have to peel the membrane off that grapefruit and then take each individual oh, the cells cell within, apart uh, from like the teardrop shape Correct. pulp cells. The pulp cells would have to be oh, individually wow. separated Insane. out. And so if then if you if they found out that you were good at that, so like, you pretended to not be good at that. Thousand yeah. percent. They'd be like <laughs> As soon as they would find the person who was amazing at that, it's the only job that that person That's the would biggest own. sucker yeah. in the room. Yeah. So, um, that person's still doing it. <laughs> I don't know. Of the 40 stages, how many Americans? I had probably four okay. with me. And we're still friends to this day. That's cool. The, yeah, but I mean, that, that was the other, like, people from around the world, like from Argentina, from, um, you know, China, from the Netherlands, Spain. And then you would see, we would be there and it was like El Bouilly was there for the day. Just coming, like they would bring their kitchen over and and because and, they were closed for whatever and they would come by to take everybody to just, and so you just see and meet just people from all over the oh, world. That's awesome. Um, and all, a lot of those people that I still keep in contact to this day are just doing unbelievably crazy things. It's like Kyle Connaughton who's out in, single thread farm he was like in charge of the lab there when we were there it was adam sanderson who's in australia right now he's doing unbelievable things there's i mean from you know and i've got friends in you know michigan in in colorado and just random yeah just the networking that you we we took away from there was pretty crazy but it was and so then you'd have a break at right after lunch service it was maybe an hour so you couldn't go home and so then you would, you know, go into dinner and the garmage was usually out, the first one out because their courses were done first. And you usually, after you were scrubbed and ready to go, it was around one in the morning. And then you go to the pub and then you get the Oh up, my God. You'd be back in five hours of sleep. Yeah. I mean, it was pretty nice. How old were you? This was 2006. So 23. Okay. Oh my God. Could yeah. you do it now? 
Now, if I didn't have children and all the rest of the stuff, yes, because it's basically the same thing. It's the same schedule. Yeah, right back. Were you ever on the dining side of the fat dog? I never ate there. Hmm. Wow. That wasn't like a part of it? No, which is which to this day is the only thing that kind of chat my ass about it. Yeah, that is annoying. Fuck, dude. You definitely style out the people. Two months and you just get me out of here. So, but, uh, you know, it. It's just what it was at that time. And and again, like they had, you know, I, I had eaten a lot of, you know, you eat every dish, but it's usually standing in the kitchen, mm-hmm. if not, and over a garbage can. Um, yeah. So, but it wasn't the, you know, the full over experience. So they would give you the dish in its entirety at the station, but you're not sitting in the dining room. And a, a lot of what they did was sensory type stuff. Yeah. Um, so if you're not in that environment, then you're not getting the same yeah, experience. experience. All right. Well, I think it's time for the gratuity round. I had a few more. I'm just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, right. I got nothing to do today, guys. Yeah, let's so take like 10, 10 more hours. <laughs> this episode of Joiners is brought to you by Stock Manufacturing, makers of fine hospitality workwear. You obsess over the details in your space, so why stop at your staff's uniforms? Stock has something for every aesthetic. From fine dining to a corner cafe, they've got you covered. Choose from in-stock ready-to-wear options or design the perfect custom uniform for your team. For more information, visit stockmfgco.com. All right, Joe. What is your death row meal? It would be a couple things, probably. It would be a, a seafood tower, like... And it, that tower would have to have shrimp cocktail on it, raw clams, crab legs, like Alaskan king crab legs, specifically. But like shrimp cocktail is one of the, like, it's just so good. I could fucking eat so much of it. Yeah, and it's, it's the, the cocktail sauce with it, and and you know Louis sauce fine, but like cocktail sauce is yeah. my jam. Mm-hmm. Then so after that, it would probably have to be. So I'm a sucker for like you know red sauce Italian, like New York style. And so it'd be like a, a clam linguine, fried calamari, and then my mom's cabbage rolls, which like the galunky. Okay. So okay, yeah, and maybe maybe a McDonald's double cheeseburger. <laughs> Very <laughs> yeah. nice for dessert. For, yeah, for dessert. Where are you going for seafood towers in the city? I used to go to Mods all the time. I used to yeah, yeah that, that was the best one. For it was sure. it was so good. I have been kind of adrift without it. We would go and. My wife and I would literally, it would just be our whole meal. We'd get the biggest one, and that's the entire meal. And we would just sit there, get a bottle of champagne and a seafood tower, and that was dinner. Yeah, um, that's a good way to go. Now, I, you know, RPM's got a great one. I mean, it's just kind of for the price, and it's over the top, and it's, you know, it's RPM, but it's like they uh, show me a, show me a better one in yeah. the city of Chicago right now. Okay. I, that is a challenge to anyone. I please, if you make it, I will come <laughs> yeah. buy it and eat it. Cause yeah, it's all I want. Check out the vets. I, yeah. See, I can't get in there. <laughs> yeah. It's like you got to know someone to get a reservation yeah. there. Yeah. So I don't, those types of places. It's like, I'll always look and it'll be like, First reservation, 10.45 p.m. I'm like, I'm fucking going there. <laughs> it sounds like it's a ton of work for me to get into. I don't have time for that. So, but I, I will. I, it, you know, I mean, um, and word on the street is what uh, Ahern's doing is seafood shops. So this is a challenge to you, Brian. All right, nice. <laughs> Tag him in the episode. All right. What's your favorite hidden gem restaurant? Um, <clears throat> it 
kind of goes along with that. So um, again, I don't know how hidden gem these things are, but like Club Lucky, I love because it's got it's that you know New when York you're, Italian. Yeah, when you're talking your red sauce, I was thinking. This oh yeah, guy must like Club Lucky. I do. My family, we used to go there. Like again, family friendly place that's like approachable for everybody. Bruna's Restaurante, which is like Western and Twenty Fifth, old school, old oh, wow. school. Like love that place. And then if I'm really, really going for it, it's Podolanka, which is the Polish joint on Ashland and Division. Yep, yeah, that's exactly. It's like, dude, unbelievable. It's like card tables, VFW hall with the best pierogies you'll ever have. I love it. Lunch today. I'm down. It closes at like 6 p.m., so that's probably 6, 8 p.m. But yeah, Podolanka is just phenomenal. You may have already revealed this one, but what's your favorite fast food? It's, yeah, I mean, it's got to be McDonald's, and it's specifically for the, the double cheeseburger. I think it's the best cheeseburger in America. And do you know <laughs> which is the best McDonald's in America? For, for me, um, it is the McDonald's at the corner of Tui and Central. In Tui and Central. Niles. Okay. Wow. Okay. It used to be not the one you would just want to, obviously. No, that was a bad one. Which yeah. one? Um, it was, it was up the best one, which has been confirmed by chefs. David Posey will agree to this one. It's at it's in the West Loop Ashland at Ogden, Ogden, Ogden and Lake. So that, I that, mean, that might be worth making a pilgrimage for because yeah, it's solid. There is I can eat. I just I we talk about it all. I'm like I can probably eat ten of them if I had to sit down and have a double cheeseburger. Now that's an interesting segment. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I love, you know, I, I do have love. I, I love Taco Bell. I love Culver's is great. There um, you go. It is, but it's it's just not that, you know, that McDonald's double cheeseburger. Yeah. The ketchup, the cheese, yeah. the pickles. It's a perfect it's sandwich. Perfect. Onions, yeah. Yep. What's your favorite pasta shape real quick? Yeah, that's a good one. Biting into that? the gratuity round. That yeah, was a, that was a that celebrity question from, uh, yep. Oh. So uh, we had dinner with uh, Zaragoza last night. And he mm-hmm. wanted to ask if you could eat just one pasta shape for the rest of your life. Oh, that's hilarious. What is it? Tortellini. All right. All right, done. Like the legit, like, tortellini. Okay. The the little. The little guys. In in Brodo, yeah. yeah. I mean, it is the amount of work that goes into it. And then you'll, you'll be in Italy, and, and <laughs> they just give you this, like, cauldron of tortellini. And there's... A, there's 60 of them in there and you're just like the amount of and they charge you 18 bucks <laughs> like how did this yeah the labor how, that goes into yeah. it how is this possible but yeah it would be it would i mean if i if that's the question it's tortellini and brodo for sure that's my favorite to eat definitive yeah all right what's your least favorite food man i don't discriminate yeah the Least favorite food, like 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 cuisine in general, or you say no, like no, specific like, piece yeah, of one specific thing, thing. Like, like bread and butter pickles? Uh, or no, like piece. so eggplant. I have a real terms. hard problem with. That's my answer too. Um, yeah. Now, now it's not to say that, like I'll cook it. I love cooking it. I love you know you got the garbage you serenade yeah. this back here. That's Tim amazing. says eggplant makes him feel insecure. <laughs> <laughs> I do say that a lot. Mine is more (laughs) of a textural issue. It's texture. Um, Yeah, I think I have a low-grade allergy to it. Yeah, well, 
you want to get into that? I just found. I mean, I, apparently, I have this, um, all sorts of allergies. Oh my god! Did apparently, you, uh, yeah. I've been seeing an allergist. Yeah, I saw. Yeah. I've been seeing it. I've been having issues like swallowing food, which hmm. is pretty crazy. So I've been seeing this allergist. Throat's been closing. Kind of. It's yeah. just like makes food um, take its take its time going hmm. down. So, um, yeah, they gave me this test, and I mean, it's pretty wild. Yeah. What are your sensitivities? Do you, do you, do you, I, I actually do kind of <laughs> want to know. I, mine, because I, Shannon, like, signed me up for this. She's like, yeah, we got to go see a dietitian. Anyway, it, it, mine was like egg whites and mushrooms. What, and you, I still eat bowls. I mean, you got off fucking easy. Yeah, right? I did. I did. <laughs> it was like 20 pages long. All right. So, you ready? He's pulling up yeah. the results. I got to here. get my yeah, phone. Yeah, yeah. All right. I cook for a living. Keep this in mind. Well, <laughs> used to. Garlic, ginger, mustard, mushroom, onion, chicken, pork, lamb, cantaloupe, cherry, coconut, lobster, oysters, pear, green pepper, pineapple, sesame, apricot, raspberry, strawberry, tomato, watermelon, grapes, grapefruit, barley, rice, rye, cow's milk, hazelnuts, soybeans, black walnuts, peanuts, chocolate, cinnamon, and hops. Oh, my God. He hit God. for cycle. <laughs> <laughs> That's everything. Are they all, like, a super – are they all the same I, level of sensitivity? They, or they were just... like, this is a lot. Like, oh, my you're, God. You're, oh, wow. Yeah. So I'm basically going through all this, like, treatment to see if it makes a difference. Which test that. was that? That that was a skin test. Like they yeah. do the environmental, they do an environmental skin test. And so from their standpoint, like the environmental covers a lot of these. Mm-hmm. So like, hey, you're allergic to grass. Like it's showing up that you're allergic to rice because rice is a grass. So like that makes sense. Yeah. Am I gonna die from eating rice? No, not necessarily, but your body is reacting. So most of it's what my stuff is environment. Like pollen. Pollen's mm. tree is pollen and cherries and apples and f- all these fruits that grow on those trees yeah. is showing up as a sensitivity. I gotcha. I've eaten and I've always eaten every single thing on this on list, list yeah. but now paying more attention to actually like what affects me and if it, if, hmm. you know, so that's a trip. So when I did that test, <clears throat> I got a bill in the mail for like $11,000. <laughs> and I was like, Shannon, what did you sign us up for? And so I called the place. I'm like, what the fuck's going on here? And they're like, oh, 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 just hold on. This yeah. this hasn't been adjusted. Yeah. And then I got like an amended one a week no. later. It's like 230 bucks. Yeah, which, it's, which it should be. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Shannon, we're broke, baby. <laughs> Yeah, so now I've been to sell my Sahara Jeep Wrangler. (laughs) (laughs) So now I'm basically so now I'm getting allergy shots. So it's like four shots every three days. So for the next five years. Mm. Wow! Oh, it's only five years. (laughs) So so, you know. Wow! I'm glad I asked. Yeah. All right, back to your favorite (laughs) favorite cocktail. Man, so I don't. Yeah, I don't drink a ton anymore mm-hmm. i would say miller high life would would have been my all-time yeah it's um, a great one it is my all-time drink it's my favorite however if i'm going cocktail paper planes probably it's either paper plane or boulevardier i think i'm to the point in my life where it's just like i don't really want to stray from i start pretty much if i'm out to dinner and it's like i mean even in places that shouldn't offer a negroni or a boulevard i'm like hey can i have one of these and i just see what shows up yeah <laughs> out of curiosity yeah paper planes <laughs> a good <laughs> format a lot yeah. of equal parts cocktails coming in recently. Yeah, what paper plane's delicious. Paper What's plane the paper is, plane? Uh, it's Nonino, Amaro Nonino, Aperol, lemon, and like rye or bourbon. Hmm. I think it was bourbon originally, but are you going? You're going rye then? Uh, yeah, if you like the Boulevardier. Yeah, yeah I do. Yeah, either rye. You like yeah. that knowledge? Yeah, I mean, you could be either <laughs> still, but yeah. whatever. And that was like I think like Violet Hour is the creator of that. Uh, paper the paper plane. plane came from Sam Ross, yeah. which was a New York bartender Cut. guy so no, not valid hour. Okay. refusing to give credit yeah, to yeah. valid hours <laughs> all right what's one thing that's always in your fridge at home 
He has a litter of kids. Yeah. Well, I've I've got a substantial pantry. So fish sauce is Red always boat. there. It's actually not. It's um, three crabs. No, it's it's actually. It's Squid. called El Caprico. It is a. It's not. I mean, they wouldn't. They don't market it as fish sauce. Oh. It's like garum. Oh, so it's oh, Italian. Italian one. That's it, it's Oliver Spanish, Thomas. but yeah, this Sorry. is like a this is a Spanish company, but they market it as garum. So yeah. real quick, Sam Ross, mm. who opened Attaboy mm. in New York, mm-hmm. he did create the drink, as I said, but he created it at Violet Hour in 2007. Wow, I didn't realize that Sam had come from the Violet Hour. What a fact check. Yeah, fact check myself. Very good. Gotcha. Um, Real time fact. Good check. work, Joe. <laughs> All I right. Don't want to mislead our listeners. You know. It's okay. So it's fish sauce is the answer. And it would be yeah, like uh, butter. <laughs> <laughs> what's what's your butter? What's what's uh, the... um, uh, Vutric, which is like that European hmm. uh, gold label. You'll find it in every in a lot of grocery stores. I go to, I go to Fresh Farms. It's like the the Polish multi. It's like actually it's everything. It's like multinational. Is that up north? There's a few of them. There's three, but yeah, I think they're generally up north. You can get any. I mean, you get. You need a pig's head? Go to Fresh Farms. You need. Mm. You know, they've got an awesome. It is spooky season. Market like for (laughs) seafood, but they've also got just all sorts of ingredients from around the world. So cool. And Um, real quick, what is the difference between American and European butter? Fat content. Okay, that's Mm -hmm. it. It can all. Yeah, for the most part. Good. Okay. Um, What is your go-to host gift? You're going to someone's house. What are you bringing? I guess it depends on the situation. Dinner party. Um, <laughs> uh, probably some dog walkers. Oh, excellent. It's like a set, yeah. That's a Marijuana. pre-rolled uh, joint for Danny. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what is that? <laughs> yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, if it's a dinner party, like, yeah, here's some. They're like, so the dog walkers are like the, they're like. Little guys. Little small joints that That's are cool. meant for the amount of time that it, you walk your dog. Dog walkers did a photo shoot in my apartment, so my dogs were actually in some of the ads for dog <laughs> no walkers. Shit. Oh, that's yeah. cool. The dogs don't smoke, though. I have one of They're the to quit. only dog walker Christmas ornaments. Oh, really? Nice. <laughs> they produced, I don't know. <laughs> They're great tins, too, just yeah. to store crap in. I yeah. always save them. So, yeah, if, if it's a dinner party, yeah. And when and enough. is that is that joint enjoyed before the meal? That's up to, or I between mean, the, up to the house, meal. Maybe. Okay. I think the whole time. Okay. Before, during, and after. I've dreamed of a meal, like a fixed menu (laughs) thing, where one of the courses is a weed course that is meant to set you up for the next round. Because oftentimes I kind of tap out on larger meals. Anyway, that's a good answer. Favorite band or musician? (laughs) I do a lot of... I'm I'm bad at this subject. What are they playing in your kitchen? Uh, I mean, uh, just a massive amount of yeah. variety so yeah um for the longest time my favorite song of all time was madonna's like a prayer figure that out it's a classic yeah. it's a great song but um i like a lot of old school hip-hop and um you know so like notorious big just because i grew up with that mm-hmm. would probably be the answer <clears throat> popular during the formative years yeah mm-hmm. all right what's your favorite movie Cool if Hand you, Luke. Cool Hand Luke. Mm-hmm. Wow. Paul Newman. Yeah. Just all the eggs. Classic. Yeah. Have you ever done the egg challenge? No. Uh, buddy of mine tried, yeah. What? How many does he eat in the... I think he got to 18. He 50 in the movie. Yeah, yeah. But I think, he, I think he got to 18. I wanted to die. <laughs> oh. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, that's too many. I think like, Frank. Yeah, all right, Ellie's <laughs> my buddy. My buddy Frank. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, and then our final question: If you weren't doing what you're doing now for mm. a career, mm-hmm. what would you be doing? Something in probably sports related. I always loved. I always loved playing sports. I always loved watching sports and being involved. Um, part of the radio broadcasting was to get into that if that was a career path, but something sports related or something like environmentally related nature. Like I have a huge affinity for like the outdoors and, and kind of, again, going back to PBS, I used to watch a lot of like Marty Stauffer's wild America. <laughs> yeah. Nice. <laughs> like it so all like, comes back. Yeah. So yeah, like a lot of yeah. nature knowledge. And so like, yeah, something in, in those, I, I took some environmental science classes, things like that, but nothing ever st- stuck. Yeah, sports so, or nature. Sports or <laughs> sports or nature. Let's hope you don't have to find out. No, oh yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> All right. Well, that was our last question, so that's a wrap. Thanks so much for joining us today. Cool. Thank you guys. I appreciate you having me. Thank you. And that concludes our conversation with Joel Frillman, brought to you by Host Cocktails. That's Host with an E Cocktails. And don't forget to check us out on Instagram at JoinersPod for throwback photos, exclusive content, reels, cocktail recipes, etc. Do you have a favor to the things that are offered on social media, Danny? I like As our social photos. media manager, I would love your feedback. <laughs> yeah, throwback photos. Yeah? Yeah, because okay. there's such a big variation. Yeah, and you print them out, don't you? Yeah, I hand print them. You well, hang I, them up? No, I print them out office. and then I trace them on top. Oh, you're tracing? Yeah. I, That's cool. I draw them on top. <laughs> And you, you add yourself. You know, yeah, I always Danny throw my stickers there. Yeah. <laughs> I always throw myself into the background of the pictures. I don't know if anyone's got that yet. Oh, well, be on the lookout. Yeah, something to look out for. Anywho, as always, this episode is produced by Matt Haddock, music by Captain Cuts, and real work by the one and only Joe Guzzo. Reeling them in. Heck yeah! Catch you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.